0: On this episode of the Pandemic Pedagogy Podcast, we look back at the beginning of the pandemic and talk about the massive shift from in-person learning to virtual and online learning. Welcome to episode one of the Pandemic Pedagogy Podcast. I'm Galen Perkins, an instructor of creative media production here at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro. Joining me this week to talk about the massive shift in the way that we learn are two of my students from the Audio Production 2 class, Noah Robinson and Sam Childers. Guys, thanks for coming in today. No problem. Glad
1: to be here. So, Noah, tell us a bit about yourself and what your interests are in media. Well, um, my name is Noah Robinson. I'm a sophomore at A-State. Uh, My major is creative media production with an emphasis in corporate media. Uh, I grew up in the Brooklyn Jonesboro area for a little over half my life. Before that, I was a Navy brat and moved around a lot. What really gets me into media is I love narrative. Uh, I love stories, and I feel one of the best mediums for that is video and audio. Awesome. Sam, I guess the same question to you.
2: Well, my name is uh, Samuel T. Childers. I'm an ROTC cadet here at Jonesboro. I drill here in Jonesboro with the 875th Sapper Battalion, and I'm a CMP major with the emphasis of uh, corporate media. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee at uh, St. Francis Hospital. Lived there all my life, then moved here two years ago to become the CMP major alongside with being ROTC. And uh, yeah, that's me.
0: So I guess to both of y'all, what drew you into creative media production?
2: So it would draw me in Is like, I like, I like to create and write, like Noah said, create stories. That's what I enjoyed to do. And I hope to have that fire and, and keep on doing that. With the pandemic, we'll probably get more into that, how that affected my lifestyle.
1: Well, as for me, uh, from a young age, I've always loved movies and I played Dungeons and Dragons, which is mostly just story making with your friends. And um, there was a certain point whenever I I got out of high school and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I I would watch a lot of videos uh, every week. And I realized that I kind of wanted to give people the entertainment that they gave me. I just thought that was really magical.
0: Nice. Also joining us for discussion this week is Dr. Mary Jackson-Pitts, Professor and Program Director for the Creative Media Production Program at Arkansas State University. Dr. Pitts, welcome.
3: Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for asking well, me to join you guys and to be able to talk a little bit about what we do at A-State and to also hear from our students.
0: Again, thank you so much for joining us today. Could you tell us a bit about your background in education?
3: You know, I, I uh, developed a keen interest in media actually back in the late 1960s and early 1970s. I was young then, and um, my interest was piqued as I watched the um, hearings, Senate hearings in relationship to um, President uh, Nixon, the Watergate situation, the Watergate hearings. And uh, from there, I always felt like I wanted to do something with media. And uh, my association with Arkansas State University actually started with a broadcasting and journalism day uh, in my senior year of high school, which was 1979. And then from there, I actually uh, came to Arkansas State University, went through their program, went through their master's program, And in the meantime, during working on my master's degree, I was also um, an executive producer at a local ABC News affiliate. And I also worked in radio prior to to that and worked as a disc jockey and also as a news reporter during those times. But in 1990, I started my journey uh, to work on my Ph.D. Uh, My Ph.D. is from the University of Southern Mississippi. And my focus in the beginning of my uh, career as an educator was mostly in political communication. Uh, And then uh, as new media came along, I transitioned. So when we think about a podcast, um, I think back to 2005 and 2006 when a um, technology person on the A-State campus came to me and said, would you be interested in doing podcasts for your classes and using podcasting as a way to teach? I was like, yeah, I I can do that. No one else wants to do that on campus with all the faculty? No, no one wants to do that. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I started doing experiments to see if students would learn better uh, from um, having a teacher in your pocket And what that would mean is the students were given uh, video iPods and I would do actual lectures and then those students would have the opportunity to download those podcasts. And when I when I think about that, uh, you know, that really piqued my interest in new media and the development of all the different social media platforms. So podcasting is near and dear to me uh, in my research history at Arkansas State University. And um, since those things have happened, um, 2004, I became a full professor at Arkansas State University going back a little bit, and then uh, became the creative media production coordinator about two years ago. A lot of my time is spent with graduate students in our media management uh, master's degree. And I have a long history of working with students with master's thesis as well.
0: Sounds like you have a uh, very lengthy and storied resume. This week, we're going to be reflecting back on what some call the shift. Um, This is when schools across the globe shifted from in-person instruction to virtual and online learning. For us here at A-State, that shift occurred on March 15th, barely a week out from spring break. Dr. Pitts, if you could tell us a little bit about how that shift or change was for you.
3: Well, for me personally, um, I have actually been teaching courses online f- uh, for the last uh, four years. Um, I guess it's four, maybe five now. Starting in 2016, we began developing um Uh, an online degree program for our master's degree and then um, a class that I teach, media management and entrepreneurship. uh, That's a senior level course. I was already teaching that course online. There were issues early on with uh, students being able to schedule it as a regular brick and mortar. So we moved it to online as well. So for me, it wasn't really a pivot on March 15th. Uh, because I was already teaching online. However, a lot of students may not understand, but uh, your faculty members do a lot more than teaching, and we do a lot of administrative things. So I'll I'll never forget March 12th, actually, because March 12th, uh, we had gathered our creative media production faculty in a room on the sixth floor of the A-State Library, and we were working on our program review for our creative media production program. And I received a phone call from our oldest daughter who is in medical school here in Arkansas. And she said, Mom, they've sent us home. Uh the pandemic, it it's happening. And they sent all the students home. And I was like, wow. And our faculty uh mold some of that information over as I shared it with them. And then shortly thereafter we said, well we're going to go home. We're not going to um, uh, come back and meet tomorrow. We'll do that virtually. And many of our faculty already were teaching some of our online courses through our online creative media production program. So for those faculty that were already doing that, the, the pivot was still hard, but at least they knew the software. But for some faculty who um, were not that familiar with using Blackboard and using the tools of creating videos and audio and and, and all the different things that you have to have in an online uh, course, uh, it became very difficult and it was it was really heavy. And then, you know, uh, while my children are no longer living at home, I know for our younger faculty members who were juggling um Children who were not in school and things like that, it became a really heavy burden. And then, even more importantly, was our concern for our students because we did not want our student learning to suffer and so that became another intense thing and then and then to hear and to talk because i do a lot of zoom meetings anyway with students and a lot of phone calls to hear some of the things that our students were going through during the early uh, stages of our uh, of the pandemic it was just really uh, crushing uh, to know the the pain that some of them were feeling and, and the difficulty. And so I, I think our creative media production faculty and all the faculty on the a campus were very empathetic to uh, what was occurring with our students. And while we know that the online learning may have shifted some, there was still some learning going on.
0: Yeah, I know for me in particular that I felt I was prepared for this transition and moving more to an online thing because I had already been running my classes through a learning management system. Uh, Blackboard is what we use here at A-State. So the shift wasn't necessarily as hard for me and I feel for you because we were more experienced in that in that sense, but there was definitely some some issues that we had with uh, faculty members that were less experienced. That was a hurdle that we had to overcome. I kind of want to open this discussion up to our students, um, Noah and Samuel. How was this shift
1: for you? Well, for me, uh, I did enjoy that the online classes allowed me to have more flexibility in my academic work, um, both in the like I can watch the lectures at any time, and also. I just know that I have to get that work in before Friday. I can do it anytime in between there. I don't have to worry about doing any work during classes. Uh, I also appreciated that uh, I didn't have to drive all the way to campus for, I I only have one class open to where I have to go to it, algebra, and it's like a 30 to 40 minute drive depending on it Um, and that takes up a lot of gas. Um, As for like the negative effects of it, I. I know I have a problem with procrastination and whenever things are ambiguous like that, I kind of, to my own detriment, take those opportunities. Also, there's the problem of with my major that there's filming required. Like You need to be near people a lot of the times. So we have new precautions for whenever we're filming to where it's just not as easy as it used to be. And Sam, how is that shift for you?
2: Well, on the positive side... Um, like no hit on I was it's more relaxation and alone like do I have to like be at a class at this time every day? You can watch the lectures or see the um, up like see the assignments anytime, do them at your own time and like so it became and with the some of the professors not knowing how to shift online, the assignments became easy, but then that's also the downfall. I didn't really learn much as if it was in person, because I'm a hands-on, got to be there kind of learner. And shifting online became easy. Yes, I was getting, I made all A's, but I didn't really take away anything from that semester, last semester. And so now we're getting to like, this is a norm. So everything's getting, it's not really getting back to normal, but we're adapting to a new situation. Positive side um, we adapted, we didn't shut down, we didn't, you know, we sent, yes, we sent everyone home, but we didn't stop. And negative side being, I wish she was more hands-on, but we can't do that with the precautions, but well, that's okay.
0: And do you, do y'all as a whole feel that maybe the rigor um, of uh, what we would traditionally have in an academic environment has been tapered a little bit? Um, is it not as, um, is it not as rigorous
1: as it had been in the past? I feel like they're easier, but not in a detrimental way. They're easier in the fact that they're fairly straightforward. The only problems I've had was with when like instructions for assignments weren't clear. And that's very easily solved whenever you're already in a digital environment. So the instructor is anticipating emails. So you just email them. And most of the time within a day or so, that can be cleared up. And Dr. Pitts, do you feel
0: that the amount of assignments uh, that you're giving, have those remained consistent?
3: Yes. I, um, I have high expectations for our students, and I believe that when we have high expectations for students, they actually uh, perform better. I think being rigorous with our assignments, there may be some situations where we might not be able to do some things But to have the rigor is important, to have the structure is important. I like with my class to have all the assignments due on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. It it seems kind of weird for some people. They look at it and think, well, that's weird. Well, um, if if they're due at 8 o'clock on a Monday morning, students who are working, who are doing things um, that pull them away from school, they still have the weekend to work on those assignments. Um, And I also think it's important for, um, I think it was Noah who mentioned uh, being able to reach out to faculty. I actually do share my phone number with students and allow them to text me if they have questions, if they want to call me, they have full access to me because, they are paying for that access. When they uh, pay their tuition, they are paying uh, for me to be there for them and to help them. And so I believe it's my responsibility to be extremely responsive. I think uh, what we saw when we shifted in March to all online uh, for some faculty, that became very, very difficult uh, for communicating. And a lot of individuals have thought, well, online learning, uh, the teacher sets it on go, and they, and then the students just do the work, and you're grading things. But to me, uh, online, the best possible online is interaction with students. Mm-hmm. And, and to allow that to happen, they have to have access to me either through Zoom or through uh, a Phone call or just a simple text to go, oh gosh, I'm really sick today and I can't make that assignment by eight o'clock because I'm throwing up or whatever it is. You know, I'm empathetic to that because I know that stuff happens. And, but it became hard for many faculty. Because with an online course, you are reacting constantly to that interaction. And a lot of times when a faculty member is uh, meeting each week, you only interact with the student during that set time for that class. But if it's online and you're doing asynchronous learning where you're not actually meeting class, you're having the opportunity to listen to your teacher at any time of day that you have time to do so it becomes different for the faculty member because you, they, they're not accustomed to needing to interact quickly with students because they have that class period where they normally answer a lot of questions. So it becomes a, a double workload for faculty. And another thing that also happened, I think that I saw with some faculty was they weren't accustomed to uh, grading assignments and turning them around very quickly And that's because they had some time, but students in order to progress from one part of their assignment to the next need to have uh, faculty to do critiques and to do grading and to do encouragement. And so that became a, a real issue I think with some faculty of how much interaction they needed to have with their students since they could not interact in an actual classroom setting.
0: And I think you really hit on something uh, good there as it relates to empathy and being empathetic. I know that that was something that I, I kind of struggled with um, at the initial part of it, um, because like you, I had higher standards um, and I thought, well, they've got to get this in just because we've changed format doesn't change what the scope of the class is. Um, and just wrestling with that I guess if there's one thing that I could say to other faculty members is just realize that with all the stuff you're dealing with, students are dealing with that plus so much more um, trying to learn in this type environment.
3: Well, Um, I'll bring something up about that, uh, Galen, and, and that is I was just thinking today, actually, I was thinking about how hard it is for me personally to concentrate and to, to, to grade assignments, but also to, uh, to begin to prepare other classes for, let's say, the summer or next fall where we're creating courses online and things like that. It's so hard to concentrate for me as a faculty member who's been doing this for 32 years And then I and I and I step back and I was thinking about it this morning, how our students are are dealing with we're asking them to concentrate and we're asking them to concentrate on the work that they need to turn in while they're battling all these other things associated with the pandemic and family matters and things like that and even mental health issues. And so it's hard and and. In year one and two of my 32 years of teaching, I was so strict about the, you gotta have it turned in at this exact time and everything like that. Well, 32 years later, I'm a different person. And and we have to be compassionate towards our students and our colleagues who are dealing with all sorts of things as well.
0: And I guess to Noah and Sam, how has your opinions towards schoolwork or just learning in general changed during the pandemic? And what are you doing to to cope with that?
1: Well, I'll, like, I'll admit there was a point last semester where I was like, for a moment, I was upset with a, a teacher. And then I had like an epiphany moment where this person's probably never taught an online class a day in her life. And She's doing her best, even if, you know, it's a bit frustrating that, say, the lecture video is not getting out or that their syllabus wasn't to my liking or something like that. They're they're doing their best. And the best I can do is do the coursework, give them comments to help them whenever it's requested or at the end of the year, and just really think about how everybody else is going through this. Because everybody is going through uh, just as bad, if not worse, circumstances than I am.
2: Double tapping with Noah said, "With the ad- adaptation, some of the teachers never done a online class. They're really bad at it, or they're really too good. Where you're not good at it, and then you become confused and you ask them a lot of questions. So I had a class where she would throw she he or she would throw all the information out there, and that was it." You cannot get response with them. You can't get an email out to them. They just expect you to know it. Use the links. Use the uh, lecture notes. Use the material. You cannot get in contact with me because I'll be unresponsible. or not unresponsible, unreachable. And I just didn't seem like that was fair to me. Like how um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Dr. Pitts said that we paid. We uh, we are attending and we paid for your teaching and your lectures so i should be able to get in touch with you if i have a question with for an assignment that's what i'm trying to touch on if if you're telling me that you're not going to be uh responsive responsive then i'm not going to really care about the assignment so i had an email with her he or she explaining how i need to get in contact with you pretty regularly because your your content's kind of confusing sometimes and he or she was apologized and I apologize as well. And then, cause I've had he or she the previous semester and the previous semester before that. So I was upset that I, the second time I've, I had he or she again, cause I knew that this is going to happen again. I couldn't get in contact with them. So I sent an email to him about it. So the shift has definitely been difficult, but I'm adapting to it and just suck it up, get over with just try to get through it. And if you have questions, I have questions. I'll just, Reach out to reach out to my professors via email.
3: You know, um, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of conversation with uh, students, and I, I do a lot of uh, academic advising um, as the Creative Media Production Coordinator. Uh, I have a lot of opportunity to look at, you know, graduation checklist and things like that. One of the things that I see with our students is that. We need to be positive encouragers, and I and I use I use uh, a quote from uh, John Adams that says a teacher should be an encourager, but we should praise sparingly lest it become too familiar. Mm-hmm. And you know, we continue to have to grade. We continue to have to have requirements and expectations. But how we manage those expectations is part of the faculty member's responsibility. And it's our responsibility to our students to give them opportunities uh, to do well. So we need to encourage them. When we see a student who has a certain talents, we really need to tell them they're good at that. And we need to also be willing to help them and mentor them to be good at other things as well. One of the things that I I think of with our students and some students are like, man, this is really a tough time to be in school. Mm -hmm. Well, I've thought about that a lot. and. I thought, man, I think it's a better time to be in school than it is to be out there trying to find a job in the workforce when there are lots of economic things going on. So as students, continue to wrestle with course assignments and things like that, what I really want students to understand is those course assignments are the key to the future entry into the media industry. And instead of seeing an assignment as simply an assignment for a class, they need to see that assignment as the key that opens their door to their career. Because we have a lot of time to ourselves, there is no better time than to create content that has an impact on individuals and to showcase, as uh, one of the students mentioned, I think it was Samuel mentioned, the ability to do storytelling And to tell stories about people, about products, about services, about organizations, nonprofits, churches, and to create films and narrative and sitcoms and all of those things. Now's the chance for us to be extremely creative if we take the opportunity to do that.
0: Would you all say that in a certain sense, isolation breeds creativity? when you have not a whole lot of other things going
1: on that's when you feel that you could be the most creative yeah i would say history is an example of some of the worst times produce the best art Uh, times like these where uh, for one people are you know stuck inside in isolation but also these big events like With um, the election and all the political stuff that's happened in the last year, as well as the pandemic and the many other bad things that happened, people have things to latch on to to make stories about.
0: And where do you see that kind of taking us in the future? Do you think the stuff that will come out um, during this and uh, or the content that's going to come out from not just us as students, but as um, as a society, do you think the content? Is going to be better from
1: that. I don't know if it's going to be better. I just know that it's going to be different than it was before.
2: So I have this uh, picture. So remember that scene in Endgame Avengers where all the Avengers were together in a one mm-hmm. big massive like group? That won't happen again. I don't see that happening ever again. Not with uh, social distancing. And it's going to be very hard for creative minds to have big groups and big finales like that ever again and it's sad to see that
3: that reminds me when Samuel's talking about that I I've probably watched more uh programs in the last uh, 11 months and I've watched in the last 32 years. <laughs>
2: yeah, we have a lot of downtime.
3: <laughs> <laughs> one one reason is uh, I don't have children at home anymore. I got involved with a binge uh, thing with a program called Blacklist, and I mm. never had time to watch it, uh, you know, when it would come on weekly, and it's a, a eight-season series. And one of the coolest things that I saw, I finally made it to the end of season seven, and um these uh, the blacklist all the seasons had 22 episodes which is similar to what we used to Max. have all the time with television shows uh now you know it's a short order 10 or maybe 12 maybe 13 episodes in mini series but this blacklist they got down to um season seven which ended uh in uh april or may of 2020 and um they i I reached out to some of my colleagues mr perkins being one of them mr pillow being the other and i said wow this this is so creative because they had shot their episode number 19 and, and it was a lesson in how to shoot uh, programs or any kind of movie or anything you're shooting always out of sequence. You're, you're never creating everything as you go. So you could see in that episode that they created, uh, they had shot multiple scenes in the main area for that organization, um, to to work but they had not shot many of the outside scenes and they used computer animation to finish that particular episode and it was excellent work and i would suggest anyone go and see what they did likewise there's a show called all rise and i think both of these are cbs programs uh all rise also did uh one of their season ending episodes last uh spring in 2020, where they they used, uh, I believe, Zoom involved in actually taping the final episode for that particular season. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of creativity and our students, many of our students who are already working in the business are finding themselves working from home, but being very successful working from home because they had the opportunity to create content and then for more and more people to see it through the multiple distribution platforms that we have.
2: My church is doing that where uh, if something would, if this, like if uh, let's say a case is rising back up in Memphis, they would switch back to online and they're totally ready to do it. They uh, it's no problem just to switch gears and to in person to online and their uh, their UI and their interfaces on the on their uh, website. is very fluid. It works to get because um most of most of uh, the members of my church are much older so the internet's still new to them or they don't understand it and they don't really use it often so because they all just went to church they don't need to use the internet to go to church so that was very new so it made it made the, the user interface was very simple very easy right when you log into the website boom there's there's the episode or the uh, service for that week
3: and that's a really good point, Samuel. And and one of the things that uh, our program and our creative media production program at Arkansas State has done is we actually developed and have uh, are implementing our media ministry emphasis in the creative media production area, because we had so many um, religious organizations that were reaching out to us needing help with uh, going online. Needing help with, with all the different content that exists. So we now have a, a brand new emphasis in our area called media ministry. And We think it's going to continue to grow as churches use uh, multiple platforms to reach uh, their different audiences.
0: I think that kind of leads me into um, the last question that I have before we before we wrap this up is, um, and Noah actually posed this in his prep work. What have you all been doing from a creative standpoint to de stress during the pandemic?
3: The the first week of the pandemic back in March was actually our uh, was leading into our spring break, and so um, I decided to create a company per se called At Pecan Corner. And I started producing uh, cooking videos and also um, have an Instagram page for that. I have a YouTube page for that. Um, I had a website that I bought the domain name for. Uh, I've not uh, done that. And then after spring break, when it was crazy and I was teaching um, almost 80 students qualitative research methods course. I didn't have time to create content anymore because creating content takes a lot of time. But if you go to Apicon Corner, um, you can find me doing a lot of cooking. And secondly, um, when you see those cooking videos, you're going to find somebody that was eating a whole lot. Well, in Mm -hmm. May, I decided I was going to take care of my health. And so um, I went on intermittent fasting, lost over 20 pounds. And, um, I'm not cooking as much, but I'm sure I'm eating a whole lot better quality food and I'm going to try to revamp, uh, my at corner content and, uh, start doing it from a slightly different perspective in the future.
2: Do we have a culinary class here at a, at, a, at a state? Uh,
3: we actually have a hotel management, um, program. Uh, it's not culinary. Um, and we do have some meat labs over in Agra. So, cause
2: yeah. that's what I got into during the break is, uh, it's not creative content, but I've been creating uh, recipes, not like recipes, but I've been learning to cook and my girlfriend loves it because she is not much of a cook, but I love to do it. So I've been, um, when I was, when I would hunt, I would, uh, have the meats and I would not process the meats but I would have different I would have here's backstrap here's tender Lawrence here's some ground and I would prepare meals in different days and different weeks like all right let's see what we can do with the ground let's sorry let's see we can something different we could do with the tenders and the uh backstrap and I cook here at the dorm I cooked at home and I got some duck I buddy mine got for me so I'm gonna do something new with that so that's my creative content I did over the break (laughs) cooking.
3: cool you need to turn that into a show
2: I need a crew. I would love to have like a crew so I can like have a focus on the cook, Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't be like, okay, I need to go worry about my camera. Oh shoot, I'm burning. Oh shoot, I'm not recording.
3: (laughs) Well, um, here's an interesting thing Um, with the content that I created. um, I only had my cell phone. I did Mm -hmm. buy a uh, tripod. And the cool thing about learning to to do a cooking video is you really had to lay out your sequence of what you're going to do, but you can put together a minute and a half, two minute video very quickly uh, using just uh, your cell phone. So, um, I actually just use iMovies to create the videos mm-hmm. and, uh, just thinking ahead of the things that I needed to have done at different times. So it, it's a lot of fun to create that content for me.
1: As for me to keep myself, um, de-stressed and like reload my creativity, I've been consuming a lot of uh, content, both traditional and non-traditional, uh, a lot of movies and TV shows, as well as, um, YouTube. I watch a lot of content creators and how they make programs and what they're making programs about. And I, um, I keep a little notebook full of whatever ideas come to me in the spur of the moment so that in the future, maybe I can act on one of those. Good.
0: And I guess as for me, um, I've gotten a little bit more into woodworking. I've got some friends that nice. do that. Um, I've got a little bit more into um, commercial type production. I've had some side projects I've been working on with that. Uh, but the biggest thing has been, I guess, creating, uh, this podcast I've been putting all, I know that I've wanted to have a podcast for a while and I've been putting it off and, I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to essentially force students (laughs) to come up with their own (laughs) podcast for this class, I might as well, yeah, I might as well suck it up and let's do it. So I like it. Well, thank you everyone for joining me today and a special thanks to uh, Dr. Pitts uh, for joining us on this icy day.
3: Thank you for having me. And I think it's really been good for me to hear from uh, our two students, Samuel and Noah. And and I think that students need to let their faculty know when they need help and if they have suggestions, um, you know, we encourage them to give us all the suggestions because we can take those things and turn them into opportunities for our students.
0: Exactly. As with all things, communication is key pandemic pedagogy podcast is produced in association with the audio production two class in the school of media and journalism at arkansas state university to listen to complete episodes follow us on anchor.fm pandemic pedagogy or listen on your favorite streaming services keep learning